Happy Easter, everyone. Easter 2022. I want to read the Easter story as it's found in Mark chapter 16. Here is how it reads. Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen. Now, everybody, those three little words, he is risen, sent shockwaves around the world for the past 2,000 years. I mean, they are powerful words. And why are they so powerful? It's because Easter is all about hope. And hope is powerful. We need hope. Listen to what uh, Philippians 3.10 says. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Now, call me crazy. But I think Easter 2022, we need hope. Not a little bit of hope, but like a boatload of hope. And everybody, hope isn't just important. Hope is vital. Matter of fact, researchers have found out that hope is so important. If we don't have it, we will die. We need hope. And Easter is all about hope. Now, how do we experience the power of that hope, of the resurrection that brings Christ back to life. What is that all about? What is it pointing to? What are we to learn here? Well, let me ask you this question as we start. How are your hope levels doing? Do you feel like you're running low on hope? Because I know a lot of people all around the world, according to the researchers, saying, I'm running really low on hope. I need hope. So today we want to figure out how we can participate in the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and experience his overflowing hope. Listen to what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 3. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth. And to notice this, into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Today is all about this. Things that are dead in your life and in my life and in this world. Things that have died on us. Things that we want to live, but they're dead. It's all about those things coming back to life. It's more than just Jesus coming back to life. It's about everything that is dead in us being reborn in Jesus Christ. So today, we want to talk about hope. And we want to experience not just any kind of hope, but a living hope. A living hope is something that grows. Things that are alive grow. I want to experience a hope that grows and grows and grows and grows instead of shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. So everybody, today is all about hope.
So here's the one thing that I would like to point out today, and that is this. Hope has a direction. Yes, Jesus is hope. Easter is hope. The resurrection is hope. Dead things come alive and hope has a direction. Jesus has a direction. And it's really, really important that we know the direction that Jesus Christ is headed in. Because if you and I want to experience this overflowing hope, this living hope the Bible talks about, we just got to make sure that we're headed in the same direction that Jesus Christ is headed in. Here's what it says in Amos. Amos 3.3. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? What are Jesus's Favorite two words in the Bible, follow me. It's all directional, follow me. So here's the thing. If we want to experience this powerful living hope of Easter, we just got to make sure we're headed in the same direction as Jesus. Are you? Are you sure? Because we're going to point some things out here that are really obvious in the scriptures. It just makes it overwhelmingly clear. You know, things sometimes that are so obvious we overlook. I know my wife, Krista, many times she'll put stuff like at the very top of the steps. And that means I'm supposed to take it down or she'll put stuff at the very bottom of the steps and I'm supposed to take it up. Like I'm talking big stuff a lot of times, like a laundry basket filled with laundry, whether it's going down to get clean or it's coming back up because it's been folded. She'll put it right over the steps and she'll say, why didn't you take it? I'm like, I didn't see it. I didn't see it. What do you mean you didn't see it? You had to step over top of it to actually go up or go down the steps. How could you have missed it? And I'm like, I just did. I didn't. Okay. It is so obvious that sometimes, sometimes things are very obvious and we miss it. And I I think that might be the case here with the direction that Jesus Christ is headed in. So we just got to make sure we get Jesus, who is our hope. We got to get that direction clear because as Amos says, we have to agree on the direction so that we can experience everything that God has for us. So the Bible begins with a marriage, Genesis chapter two. And by the time we get to Genesis chapter three, a divorce has taken place between who? Who who gets divorced? Adam and Eve don't get divorced. Heaven and earth get divorced. So the Bible is pointing towards a remarriage, a wedding celebration between heaven and earth. They're going to come back together. In Revelation 21, it says that heaven is coming down. There's a direction here. It's coming down. It's coming down from where? It's coming to earth. It's it's coming down. And then Revelation 22, it says the spirit and the bride say, doesn't say beam me up, Jesus, so that I can go up that way. No, the direction's really clear. It says the spirit and the bride say, come down here. Like, come on down. Like the price is right. Come down here. So the direction is always moving towards earth. It's not moving towards heaven. I want to say something here, and I'd like you to give me just a few moments to unpack this because I actually think it's really, really important. And I think it's something that's so obvious that sometimes, many times actually, I think we overlook. I did it in my life. So here's the statement. Everybody, Jesus couldn't care less about you spending eternity in heaven because Jesus is going to spend eternity here on earth. American Christianity is fixated on heaven. Jesus is fixated on earth. Does it matter? Yes, it matters a lot. Particularly, it matters with me living a life that's full of living hope and experiencing the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead and the power that's going to raise the things in my life 
from the dead so I can experience something new. You need that, don't you? We all need that. I need that. I need things in my life. You need things in your life to be resurrected from the dead. And this is what God wants to do in our lives. We're fixated on heaven. Jesus is fixated on earth. And it's really important, the difference. Now, I want to ask you this question. What is the Bible hoping for? What is the Bible hoping for? This is important. We have to know what the Bible is hoping for. And what it's hoping for is what I said a few moments ago. A marriage, a reconciliation between heaven and earth. It's not about getting our ticket punched and headed to heaven. It is about us being disciples of Jesus Christ here on earth. The Bible never addresses what it means to be a Christian, but it talks about being a follower or being a disciple constantly, all the time. Dallas Willard said something that I thought was just great. He said this, quote, there is no problem in human life that apprenticeship to Jesus cannot solve. I think that's a great quote. Just think about it. If everybody acted like Christ, if everybody acted like Christ, wouldn't this world be a far better place? Oh man, it'd be a dream come true. It'd be paradise once again. It would be awesome. It'd be a place that's filled with living hope. There's no problem that discipleship to Jesus Christ cannot solve. Now here's why it matters so much. Because if heaven is the final, final frontier, if that's where I'm headed, that's the final destination in my stop, then the only thing that matters to me and the only thing that matters to you is getting in. It's all about getting in. And the problem with that is, is that breeds some things in us. It breeds division, who's in, who's out. And then there's arrogance and there's prize. Like I'm getting into the VIP section. I'm flying first class. I mean, it's all about who is getting in and who isn't getting in. And then we can... We can get involved in petty divisions where we even argue with other people who are followers of Jesus Christ about little nitpicky things. However, if the final destination is here on earth, like the great Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, Lord, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If it's all about heaven moving in our direction to earth, if it's all about the bridegroom Jesus and the spirit and the bride say, Come down here. If it's all about here and here is the final destination, then we can work arm in arm, shoulder to shoulder with Jesus and other followers of Christ in total unity, complete focus that we have got to make our world a Christ-like place. Here's where it gets really cool. This is what it says in 1 Peter chapter 2. As you come to him, the living stone, that's Jesus Christ, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. And now here's our part. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. That's describing the temple. Now, here's the thing. Here's why the whole wedding, all that imagery on the first page and the last page, and we're all moving toward this reconciliation, this remarriage. Here's why it's really, really important. Where is the wedding venue? The wedding venue isn't, is in a temple. What is the temple like? 
What's going on? Is Has the wedding venue been trashed? And so what Peter is saying here is that you and I are stones in the temple, that we're a part of this building process. I want you to think about this. What is the wedding venue like? You ever seen a wedding venue that's been trashed? Like, I've been a part of some pretty interesting weddings. And I've seen a lot of arguments and heats and fights, verbal fights, not physical fights. I haven't seen any weddings that are like the Oscars 2022 yet where actual fights break out. I haven't seen that yet, but I've seen some pretty intense ones. But nobody wants to have their wedding venue trashed. And Jesus Christ is coming back for a glorious church, it says, without spot or wrinkle. He's coming back for a temple, a beautiful temple. Now, who is building that temple? This is where it really comes home. Who's building that temple? Well, Jesus builds the first one. Colossians chapter one makes that so very clear. Jesus builds the temple in Genesis chapter one and two. But we destroy that. We trash that temple. We break it apart. And then the rest of the Bible is all about that rebuilding process. The tent of meeting, the tabernacle, the temple, all of these things are wedding venues. Jesus Christ is the architect, we're told, of this temple. But who's going to build it? You and I are going to build it. Who built the tabernacle in the desert in Exodus? People. People filled with the Spirit of God built it. You ever heard this old saying? Plan your work, then work your plan. Jesus Christ has planned the work. He's the architect. And now it's up to you and I to work the plan. And now because the final frontier is here on earth, you and I can work together to make this a Christ-like temple creation venue that God can inhabit because that's the final product. That's why we wanted to feature Arlington Food Assistance Center today. We're not doing it because we want to be good people. We're not doing it because we want to do good deeds. We want to do it because we want to be followers of Jesus Christ and to participate in making this world the kind of place that it's meant to be. That's how hope comes. Hope doesn't come because I'm trying to be a good person in my own opinion. That's very subjective. Hope is very objective in the Bible. It means that I am in Christ. As it says in the book of Colossians, 15 times, actually, everybody, we are in Christ. That means I am doing things His way, Christ's way. I'm just not doing good deeds. I'm doing the deeds that I see Jesus Christ do, and I am living those out. And when you are in Christ, we're told in Colossians, that is the hope of glory. Hope. When I participate with Christ to build this temple, to be the temple that it's supposed to be right here on earth. It is the hope of glory. Glory in the Bible is what happens when the tabernacle is dedicated. Here comes the glory. The glory falls in the Bible. When the temple is dedicated, the glory falls. It's like when the groom shows up, God shows up, God comes here. So Christ in you is the hope of glory. You and I Reflect God here on earth. We're disciples here on earth. We're building a temple. We're participating. He's not going to build it. He is absolutely not going to build this temple. You and I will have to build the temple just like they did in Exodus. We'll have to build the temple. We'll have to build the tabernacle, fill with his spirit, doing things the way Jesus does. And that's where the hope comes from. If our direction is up there and he's building the temple up there and I'm going to go up there, that doesn't make discipleship the obvious choice. That makes a ticket being punched the obvious choice. 
That leads to hypocrisy. It breeds division and contempt. But if it's here, and you and I are participating, we're cleaning up this wedding venue and getting it ready for Christ because he's, he's architect the plan. And now I've just got to simply work the plan that he's given us in his power, in his spirit, in his way. And now we can be filled with this resurrection hope that is so powerful. It's split time in two. Salvation is when people become followers of Christ, when they live out the virtues, when they live out the very character of Jesus Christ, what happens when that happens? I become more hopeful, you become more hopeful, our world becomes more hopeful, and it becomes a far, far better place. Okay, let me do my best to land the Easter 2022 plane right here. Hope. Let's come all the way back to hope. There is a big difference between biblical hope and optimism. Optimism is the belief that things are going to get better. Biblical hope is the belief that we can make things better or we should make things better. Again, God has given us the plans. Now we need to work those plans. He is not going to build this temple, this tabernacle, this wedding venue, so that God, the groom, Jesus, can arrive. He is saying to us, you build it. I've given you the plans, and I need you to build it. So God sends John the Baptist to say these famous words, make a highway for God, make a highway for Jesus. Now, we know what's happening there. Anytime royalty would come to a town, you'd clear all the debris, you'd make the road nice, you'd do a cleanup, like a big cleanup. You'd prepare it for the royalty to arrive. Now, we need to, as a part of our wedding venue, we need to make room for the groom, Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We got to get our wedding venue right. It's like a cleanup on aisle three. It's all in our store. Can't we can't say, hey, well, my store's good. I'm all good. You know, you got to get things right over in the other store. No, no. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. If we're followers of his, that means we are disciples. We are responsible for everything. We can never say, that's not my problem. Because every problem in the world, we are responsible to address it, to address the mess in Christ's way. We have to do that. This is what Easter is all about, and this is how we participate in the hope of Easter. Easter is about recreation. It's about being reborn and renewed and restored. All of these great re-words. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation, another re-word. This is what we do to prepare this wedding venue for what Jesus Christ wants to do here on earth. The direction of hope matters a lot. John 3.16, most famous verse in American Christianity, for God so loved the world, for God so loved the world. God will not abandon the world. God is not going to blow the world up. God is not going to leave you alone. God is coming here. We are not going there. And that means a lot. So we should join, join arms with Jesus. You can participate in the greatest building project that our universe has ever known the building of a cosmic temple will you please play your role 
Will you please reflect the very nature of Jesus Christ? Would you please get saved today along with me? So that we can clean this wedding venue up. And the groom can arrive. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you give us a clear direction that just changes everything. That if we'll begin to reflect you, God, not only can we be more hopeful, but we can extend your living hope to all those around us. Help us, every single one of us, to choose to follow you today. In Christ's name, amen. Everybody, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you'll join us again next week as we're doing a brand new series called Reboot. Do you need to reboot in your life? I know I do. It's uh, Paul's letter to the church in Colossae, and it's packed with great information that helps us reset our lives. So thank you for being with us today. Hope to see you next week. Happy Easter.